0: Yo, this is John from Noise Dosage Media, and this episode is brought to you by Begrudgingly Benny. Interested in putting something horrific and grotesque on your next piece of merch? Benny is tucked away in the fiery depths of COVID quarantine, blasting the filthiest of old school death metal. And drawing hideous creatures that he is waiting for you to adopt. Go over to Instagram and follow @begudginglybenny and contact him if you would like some really weird original art for your band or label. Super professional, highly recommended. All right, what's up, necrosexual? Um, my first question to you is, what you know is the most memorable interview
1: that you've ever like hosted? Hello. How the hell are you? And that is a tough answer because selecting a favorite interview it's like selecting a favorite child, maybe a favorite <laughs> shut up, maybe like selecting a favorite guitar riff, a slayer riff that's maybe more accurate for me, and they're all special, uh, except the ones that suck and there's there's been a couple lackluster ones, so it's easy to say which ones are my least favorite <laughs> but right, right. and the highlight real of my interview uh, career. I would say Millie Petroza from Creator. That was a wonderful chat that we had. The dude has a sense of humor and he's super cool and still you know, gave me a shout out the other Halloween, which was mad cool. Of course, Abba was What Dream Come True. Gary Holt from Exodus and Slayer, another heavy metal hard-on right there. I grew up listening to Exodus, so anytime I get to meet a, a thrasher veteran that's, uh, that really makes my heart skip a beat. And then I have to also say the Necrosexuals Lair. That was uh, kind of a low-budget, do-it-yourself, public-access-style, uh, late-night talk show interview thing that I did with my buddies at Scrapple TV. And we got to interview Steve Grimmett from Grim Reaper and then also the band Master on two separate occasions. And uh, no. that, that I really enjoyed. So there's, there's been a lot. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I'm blessed. That I've been able to raise hell and gain a little <laughs> bit of heavy metal, dark knowledge from the hell races all over the world.
0: I saw that you just talked to Luca from Necrot. Yeah. How was
1: that? Yeah. He's it, awesome, dude. He's a cool dude. Yeah. He's stoked. I love to talk to people that are just excited about metal and enthusiastic. That's a big part of it. And he has a lot of enthusiasm. So it was uh, super fun to talk to. And just the same thing. Like I interviewed not for my YouTube channel, but a couple months ago I interviewed Steve Tucker from Morbid Angel and you know, Steve and Necrot went on tour together and you, you can tell they were just like kindred souls because they were both like just really enthusiastic and stoked to talk about not just their band, but just talk about albums that hold a special place in their hearts and kind of geek out with music. So anytime you have that sort of friendly r- rapport with somebody that makes for an exciting conversation from the dark side.
0: Now, I watched a lot of the interviews and you had that same question of, you know, the biggest album that, you know, is in their heart, you know, Luca did death. What about you? I don't know if you had an interview just talking about your favorite album.
1: Yeah. That's funny. You say that I I have not. It's one-on-one with the grim one is a format that I've been doing on my YouTube channel, especially with quarantine. It allows me to have a little bit more of a long form discussion with my guests as opposed to when you're on the road, they're on tour, might be maybe have 10 minutes backstage. So this is a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more long form. And let's face it, heavy metal fans are fucking geeks. We all are (laughs) passionate about our our music and we can debate it and have philosophical arguments and and really dive into the nuance and lyrics. And so I think that's, it makes for really no brainer conversation fodder to start off with. So for me, I mean, there's been many, many albums, many epochs, but I guess the first one that really set things into overdrive would be Rain and Blood by Slayer. I was 14 years old uh, when I listened to it. It was it was on my birthday, my 14th birthday, and I knew I wanted to listen to Slayer, and then just hearing that record was like an atom bomb going off in the center <laughs> of my mind. And I know that I've said that before, and I'm sure it's many, many other people have that that album so it might not be the most original one but it, that was very a significant turning point for me because that, that was re- really put me down like the left-hand path like I knew right away like I had listened to Metallica previously so mm-hmm. I was already into heavy metal but like Slayer was what really kicked it into like light speed and going to like the stars of like pushing the limits of what I, evil I, shit yeah, yeah yeah and so How,
0: yeah. What, well you know like where did you see that record did somebody introduce it to you or?
1: You know, uh, Slayer, again, they're one of those bands that they had a reputation that preceded themselves. So in that case, I might have seen it like in a record store, but like I had known about Slayer like since I was like eight or nine or ten years old. And it was, Jeez, it's so weird. Shit. Yeah, I, I remember reading about them in Newsweek. I was like a very well-read like eight-year-old necrosexual. <laughs> <laughs> so I read like Newsweek and shit. I remember there's an article about like, some i think somebody either died or there was i think it was like murderers that had like claimed that they were inspired by the song necrophiliac by slayer and i remember reading the lyrics I was like whoa these guys are fucked up and then also i like that yeah and then there was also like a 2020 or like some fucking barbara walters friday night like tv news tabloid special about i think a kid that got like killed in a mosh pit or like concert safety and again they mentioned slayer on that and then Again, when I was 10 years old, I was actually hospitalized with pneumonia, and I had some friends visit me in the hospital, and they gave me a guitar player magazine, and it had tablature in the back of it, and it was the song Angel of Death by Slayer. So I'm reading the tablatures, and I'm not hearing the song, but I'm reading the lyrics to Angel of Death in the back of this magazine, because right. I remembered this, this band that by now had this like really grisly reputation in my brain. Well-earned.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I exactly. Like, oh, I remember... I remember when I was younger, I'd just sit and fucking tab out songs, like covers all day, every day.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, that was kind of my first impression of them. But then, obviously, hearing the music was taking it to a next level. Yeah, right. So
0: how, you know, by talking to these huge musicians, how has it, like, broadened your attack on being in a band? for me personally, like I've learned so much shit that I would have like never picked up.
1: Do you play in a band too?
0: Um, I just, so I've been in a band for like four years, that band kind of dropped off. So I started something new. Um, cool. But it's like grind black and grind. That's what we're going for. Hell yeah. Blood.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's pretty, sounds pretty metal. I like black metal and I like grind. So that's a cool combination. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What it has taught me if I could say, yeah, you know, a lot of it's like really simple or obvious things that never crossed my mind before. And something as simple as when I interviewed Steve Grimmett from Grim Reaper, he was like, Oh, the secret to having beautiful hair is just, just wash it and go. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I was like, Oh yeah, I never thought about it like that. Just like, yeah, don't, don't fuck with your hair too much. I mean, that's not really musically speaking. But I would say that one thing, like I had a conversation with Dan Loker recently, and no, he's, he's somebody yeah, I, he's heavy metal. Dude,
0: he's mark. like fucking 10 minutes down the street from me.
1: Oh, so you're um, up near Rochester? Yep. Oh, yep. cool. So my other buddy and bandmate, Luke, who plays in Basilisk and Blood Spore, is from Rochester. So definitely need a visit there at some point soon. You got it, man. It's yeah, a fun time. Hit up the music archive. I've heard all sorts of great things in the World of Guitar store. I know there's a very famous, like, guitar place yep. up that way, too. Yeah, I so, just
0: videoed that place. I, cool. I'm a photographer, videographer, so I just did something, like, two days ago. Yeah. Check it out. Excellent. Um, so, so so on with the hair, like you're talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude. So, like, a year ago, man, I had my hair, like, super, like, you know, it was pretty freaking long, right? And I cut it and I'm, I'm, I'm growing it back. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not backing down this time.
1: Good. As long as, as long as you cut your hair and you have the ability to grow it back because my guitarist in the necrosexual band, he's sort of a cautionary tale. His nickname is Vigo because when I met him, he was like 21 years old and he had this like long flowing blonde hair and he looked like Vigo the Carpathian from Ghostbusters 2 (laughs) <laughs> so that's how he has a nickname and then like it was maybe 2005 2004 he, he cut his hair and did like the spiky thing because that was the look and then it never grow oh. back and now he's bald so oh, man. yeah, <laughs> yeah. he <laughs> flew too close to the sun
0: shit so how would you define shock factor
1: in what regard and what i do
0: not i mean just in general like the metal scene
1: yeah I think, I think it's sometimes the most shocking thing you can be is honest and authentic, as, as contrived as that may sound. But with heavy metal, like a lot of the most innovative shit is going on like 30, 40 years old. So the things that were shocking back then that created the genre, things like Venom or Alice Cooper... Or Slayer, or black metal, of course, the Norwegian scene—they went a little bit overboard, a little bit overzealous there, and all of that—they were all respectively shocking for their time, and in some ways, maybe still. But you have to recognize that you can't catch history in a bottle. So
0: yeah, yeah, I've been saying that since the fucking beginning of this podcast, man.
1: Yeah, like sometimes you have to just keep it go back to basics, and it's really about being how you present yourself with attitude and daring to be different not just for the sake of being different, but being different. Uh, and it's not always just a matter of having the most brutal album cover or the most outlandish lyrics or the most guttural vocals. I mean, you you can do those things, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I feel like most people don't listen to heavy metal anymore for shock value. It's like, yeah, there is no fucking
0: shock. Like everything's been done. Um, the one thing that always comes across is like a a big topic I talk about is how these bands, you know, they say that they're like innovating shit and I'm like, that is true, but it's like to an extent like it's very hard nowadays.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's, and it's sometimes it's not at fault of the bands, but I do. I hear a lot of bands extreme metal bands or not just extreme metal bands like kind of across the board. And, and I'm, I'm partial towards it too. There's a, there's a great revival of like really classic sounding speed metal and things of that sort. And I'm like all about it. Even, even if it sounds like purposely vintage because it's speed metal. So on one hand I could, I'm like totally cool with that. On the other hand, like there's a lot of music with some of like the new wave of death metal bands or even black metal bands and some of the more extreme stuff and it, it just sounds like they're all just taking all of their favorite bands and reinterpreting that and they're doing a great job of being faithful right to innovators but because it's already done been done before it to me i'm a little bit underwhelmed like i want to hear something new if uh unless you're really really excellent at capturing a spirit but one of the things that I always enjoyed about metal discovering it like a lost culture was that in the eighties and in the nineties, there were so many different bands and they all sounded different. And there was a lot of one upmanship and the bands were trying to play faster than each other and more extreme right. than each other and to out-riff each other. But they were also, there's a lot of difference, a lot of variety and that's out there too. I mean, there's so many bands in just the, uh, the vastness of cyberspace and band camp or just otherwise. So there, there is a right. whole lot of music. There's, out there.
0: no, there's no more my space, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, the one thing that gets brought up by the old timers is fucking uh cassette trading. And I'm like, what the fuck is that dude? <laughs> and like, I just, I don't know. I, I wish I was fucking born in that era. Yeah. Cause it's just, it just sounds like born too fuck, late. Yeah, I'm like son of a bitch, man. I watched like old shows at the Bug Jar, of like fucking um, I think it was Cannibal Corpse or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it was some bigger band, but they fucking packed the place. Everybody's crowd surfing and shit, and it's like a fucking four by four room. Like,
1: yeah, you don't see that no more. I know it's tough. I was definitely, I was alive for some of that, but too young to appreciate it. So. I feel like the closest thing I have to tape trading is like burning CDs. And even that's like 15 years <laughs> going on 20 years old. They don't even make like CD players anymore, but yeah, it's like fucking it, Spotify. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but tapes are making a comeback. There's a lot of bands that are, are selling out of their cassettes and, and vinyl. So there's still, there's still a, like a small, like on a smaller scale, like people will still collect. And I think that there is something really authentic and, and people still enjoy physical media, whether it's cassette tapes or vinyls. I, I'm a CD guy. I like CDs, but uh-huh. I like, I like cassettes too. And I like vinyls as well. So that, you know, the, there's many, there's many ways to, to hear the riffs, but things are different. Things are always
0: changing. <laughs> I always, uh, I try to go for vinyl nowadays. Cause I always fucking crack the, the freaking disc, with CDs all the time. Step right. on them in the car. Yeah. Son of a bitch, man. It's so annoying. Um, So what makes you gravitate towards black metal?
1: I think it resonates from a very honest place with me. And like I had mentioned with Slayer, I was essentially a thrash metal kid first, definitely grew up on thrash metal. And then the black metal that I, that really grabbed me like first and foremost was Venom. And then from there, that was kind of a gateway to the later stuff from, from Norway and various black metal hubs all over the world. There's the cool thing about metal. It's on every country, on every continent. There's regional varieties of metal. There are flavors of metal or death metal or black metal, you know, in certain parts of the world. It's kind it's it's very culinary in a way. (laughs) You're a musical palate. I want to see Watain.
0: Mm, They they put on a show.
1: Yeah, I have, I haven't either. But uh, they're yeah, they'll, you'll definitely wear a rain jacket because you might get in the splash zone with all the pig's blood.
0: Yeah, exactly. I want to. I was supposed to go to the one in Toronto, but
1: I don't know what the fuck happened. But I was like,
0: son of a bitch, man. Like, there's a few black metal shows that come around here, but I don't know. It's very limited. Yeah. Autumn. Autumn plays are pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, they're a newer band. I know of them.
0: Yep, they're awesome. Yeah, well,
1: I think with black metal, especially with the type of music like Venom and Immortal, Dark Thrawn too, 2, it's a lot about attitude. Venom especially, they nailed the attitude, the super over the top, the brashness, the arrogance, being in your face, and then also kind of being jokers. You know, Venom are humorous. You can tell they're grinning, they're having a good time. That's why I prefer that style, that attitude, than a lot of, like I call it sad boy black metal, where they're being super grim in the woods and, and presenting a very specific stoic image. I think it's going to have attitude. It's going to have energy and have emotion in these things and black metal, especially like at its roots. It's very punk rock. It's very rebellious, rowdy music. So whether it's black metal or heavy metal or thrash metal or death metal or a combination of those things, when I listen to music, especially anything heavy, I want to get rowdy. I want to stage dive and mosh with my friends and drink and, be full of piss and vinegar. So I think the music should reflect that, the attitude.
0: Definitely drink.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so mad respect to anybody that's sober or straight edge as well, because they party just as hard, but yeah, exactly. Uh, yes.
0: Fuck. Um, <laughs> so when it comes down to preparing for these Skype interviews, like what's your method of attack?
1: Uh Method the cough of necromania, yeah. At this point, it is. I try to have it be a conversation, and yep. I want it to flow naturally. And and especially when I'm talking to people, I'm trying to get their perspective. So it's about listening and not dominating the conversation either. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've
0: definitely le- learned that, dude. Yeah, I've I've done some weird ones where it's like the opposite side like doesn't talk i'm like son of a bitch man (laughs) that that, those are tough man
1: yeah yeah and i'm my own editor too so when i'm going back on the tapes and i start my eyes start glazing over as i'm hearing myself talk and go on and on i'm like all right this is i'm gonna cut this shit out so i can at least like have a little bit of control over the final product just to keep the conversation moving Right. And it, yeah, I, I come from uh, an interview background, I come from a journalism background, and I also have a lot of improv comedy and just improv background. So sure, I, yeah. I've done it enough, and now I've been doing it every week or a couple times a week since quarantine. Yep. So I have my points in my head, I know we're going to get to, it's one-on-one with the grim one, so we're going to start talking about an album that holds a special place in their hearts. And then from there, we have a, we'll just see where it goes, and I'll usually hit those points. And I always learn something.
0: Exactly, man.
1: Exactly.
0: After Luca, man, I wanted to listen to death even more. I fucking love that band, but shit. Yeah. Uh, So the last question I had was, you know, what are some personality traits that you have and how do those aid and or hurt the process of creating music?
1: (laughs) Well, I've been able to create a decent amount of music in a short amount of time. So I don't think it's any of it's damaging, but I'm the most electrifying man in Corpse Entertainment. So that electricity, yeah, yeah. that enthusiasm, that grimness, that's something that I inspire to impart in my music. And then a lot of my heavy metal heroes, again, like Dan Loker, a guy I interviewed recently, or Gene Hoagland, Dave Lombardo. A lot of the dudes I grew up admiring or dudes who busted their ass and they played in a lot of bands. And they're workhorses, so I also try to hustle, the heavy metal hustle, and have a work ethic where I'm grinding my ass off. So if I'm in quarantine, and I'm not able to play shows, or my recording of my new three-song EP, which is on the way, has been a little bit stalled because of staying at home for like the last four months, there are other avenues I can burn those fires at, uh, like, like these videos. So I would say the heavy metal hustle is a big part of the necrosexual cult of personality
0: the fucking cult of personality. Hell
1: yeah. Of course.
0: So <laughs> that was a perfect ending. Um I know you sent me a lot of information on the bands. What you know, what do you want to go over about that? Anything like new
1: Did you hear any of it yet?
0: <laughs> no, I have. I'm oh, talking cool. about just like in general cuz I was like, you know, what do you want to talk about? Um I usually send that and honestly, a lot of people don't send me anything back and they just let me go free reign. So I'm mm. like, fuck.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, I'm always curious to see like, if there was anything that stood out or grabbed you about it. But, right. Yeah, I've been working on a three-song, uh, actually four-song EP that is uh, almost entirely recorded except for vocals. And I'm hoping to hammer those out in the next month or so. So that, uh, I tentatively plan to have that out by the end of the year for the necrosexual uh, so you can expect some forthcoming brutality on that front I also recorded a 13-minute death grind EP then in isolation in two days flat
0: <laughs> nice dude, yeah I've been wanting to do that for a long time
1: yeah yeah it was it was a very special and intense two days because it was with me and my occasional bandmate Ryan Kleeman these were all of like his twisted songs that he's written over the years, and he never thought he'd get around to recording them. And I was like, "Dude, send me, give me something to play." I'm fiending for action here. So for two days, I just like did a crash course, long, learned all these songs, recorded them in about 48 hours. So it's uh, up on Dragon Knight. That's K N I G H T, like a knight in ravishing grim armor. That's on Bandcamp. We have an EP out called Red Mountain. If you want some brutal old school death grinding madness Fuck, yeah. and then also uh, i also contribute bass in a band called basilisk and we released an album called emergence in 2019 of course their drummer mike chury plays on the necrosexual band so it's a symbiotic relationship and we also are working on an EP. so i'm right
0: on yeah, yeah. i watched that freaking music video it was killer man hell yeah was that all DIY or did you like... Which
1: which one? Yeah. I mean, they were both DIY, so... The latest uh, one. The, uh, was it Necrosexual or... Yes. Yeah, Necrosexual. Necrosexual Encounter. Yeah, that was D- DIY. My good buddy, Chris Kuntz, helped me film that and filmed it. Obviously, I was in front of the camera, but... Uh, and I edited it all together. And I got to give respect to another Philadelphia musical collective known as Evil Swad, who let us use their house and basically transform their living room into what looks like a horror set. So that was, yeah, it looks fucking right sick.
0: Now. I was like, damn dude, they actually went all out on this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to, to do more of that. I think that's one benefit of the, the quarantine. If there is a benefit of having life come to a grinding halt, the trash <laughs> fire. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: If there's one benefit, it's giving everybody a chance to kind of take a step back and kind of, uh, refocus their creative energies inwardly. And right. if you if it means you have to create a home, then so be it. But I think that people have already began finding solutions and I look forward to that. You know, hopefully sometimes in the next year or two, we'll do another one of those do it yourself videos, whether it's in my own apartment that I transform or in the woods somewhere. We'll see.
0: Hell yeah. So this is the last question I ask this every freaking guy on the podcast. Who should I talk to next? Who's like someone
1: interesting? Mm. nine that's a good one that is a good one and and you do have a good list of people that i saw off the top of my head yep. when i was going through you like you spoke with luca from necro right yeah 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 luca. whole bunch yeah. of shit i gay would creeper s- gay creeper yeah peg destroyer jay Hoff films have you spoke with joel grind yet from toxic holocaust i have not that's one off the top of my head. I know he just put out a new EP called War Ripper because okay. that's another dude. It's always, aside from his main band, he's always like cranking out side projects left and right. So I spoke with uh, Joel a couple months as well, uh, a couple months ago for our one-on-one, the Grim one. And uh, who else? Yeah, that's, that's one. You can do Joel. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. I'll give you a suggestion. Uh, Tormentor from
1: Slaughter ah
0: he's a a cool he's a cool dude to talk to
1: who does what does he play in that band guitar guitar hell yeah yeah Nunslaughter that's a band i've listened to since i was like 15 and yeah they're they're out there That's a good idea i might take you up on that (laughs) yeah do it. i'll I'll text them all so you want you want yeah cool yeah put help me help me make the connection we'll do it (laughs) fuck
0: yeah